invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, beginning at verse 4, is our sermon text this morning. <clears throat> There's at least a couple of, or a few uh, generations represented in our gathering this morning who would remember the song from church, Oh, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little feet where you go, be careful little ears what you hear, right? Do we know this song? Jesus concludes his teaching in the parable this morning with a, a similar though different refrain. It would go something like, oh, be careful little ears, how you hear. Interesting. Be careful then how you hear, how you hear. <clears throat> now, this is a familiar passage for many of us, I'm guessing, of the sower and his seed amongst soils. And Jesus, in this parable, he models uh, his ministry and what he's doing. And he also is exhorting faith through hearing how we hear. And he also then in this implicitly is calling his disciples to be fellow sowers of the seed of God's word. Now that's a lot to get to in, in three passages. So we'll begin here diving in with a word of prayer. And as we turn to prayer, I just wanted to let uh, the church know that uh, Chuck and Nancy Larson are, are taking another trip to Haiti. And they're actually probably landing right now. And so just be praying for them at this stint there, and it's, uh, Haiti's always at a little bit of unrest. So we'll continue to pray for them uh, as they are on that journey, uh, helping the people uh, in Haiti there. So will you join me with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, would you feed us now, your sheep, and word of God, speak to us that we might hear, that we might be changed. And Spirit of God, soften our hearts, open our ears, and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We hunger and thirst for you, would you nourish us by your grace this very hour. And we're remembering also Chuck and Nancy as they go to serve the people of Haiti in much need with such tangible service as providing water. Would you speak in them and through them that your gospel might be made known through their lives, that others might come to see you and give honor and glory to your name. Draw near to us and bless us this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Adam came from the soil, and in dying, Adam and all of his posterity returned to the soil. So it is not surprising that when Jesus gives us imagery, he uses soil to represent humans. It makes sense. We have before us the sower of seeds who brings God's word and seems to just scatter far and wide. And the question we're left with at the end of it is, will we, God's spirit-breathed soil, will we bear fruit or lie barren as God's word is being sown? Will we bear fruit or lie barren as God's word is sown? And as Jesus says in verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. The first three verses tell us that there's the 12 disciples are following Jesus. There's three named women who follow and serve. Uh, and then there's others gathered as well from town to town. Jesus is proclaiming good news, village to village, town to town, and people are gathering. As we have been reading through Luke's gospel, we, we would notice that, that Luke doesn't record on Jesus' lips parables too often here. Now, after this, we'll hear parable after parable. 
But we've also noticed, I think, that Jesus' work in healing and doing miracles, they form like, um, uh, like parables in, in many ways. Uh, they're, they're like parables in action. When he heals, he says, which is easier to say, that your sins are forgiven or that I could heal, rise up and walk? Which is easier to say? And so he's proving he's got authority over creation. He's got authority to forgive. He goes on to say it another place. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. He comes as a fulfillment of the law. When John the Baptist sends messengers to ask, are you the one that we should be expecting? Are you the one? And Jesus' response says, well, look, wherever I go, people are being healed. Demons are being cast out. I'm come. I am the Messiah. But now Luke puts on Jesus' lips a proper parable. Maybe that's what the British would say. Proper. It's a proper parable. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, choked it. Some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So can you picture... We live in Nebraska. Can you picture a 24-row planter sowing seed on a gravel road? No? Have you experienced the efforts it takes to fend off weeds and thorns on muggy July evenings? Have you also noticed that when fruit comes, it's in overabundance, so you have tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers coming out of your ears? Have you experienced that? See, the tenor and the texture of Jesus' parables here, they, they draw us in, don't they? As listeners, they draw us in. We become part of the story, experiencing what is being told here. But there's more at stake here than a good story, isn't there? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's some command here. There's some exhortation in this story. As we walk through, we'll see the main emphasis lies on that of hearing. The term hearing, sometimes translated listening, it occurs eight times in this passage. It's clear through repetition and the punchline, let him who hears, who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is the central theme. Which when we come to the end of Jesus' teaching, he says, take care then how you hear. The disciples and those with him and are listening. So his disciples ask, well, what are we to hear? What do you mean in this story? Verse 9, when, the disciples, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Oh, now, now we get it. That cleared everything up, didn't it? Yeah, that's how Jesus answers the first question. First of all, I want us to know that this is a prayer, right? These disciples are coming to Jesus and talking to Jesus. It's a simple prayer. Followers of Jesus, in their uncertainty, confusion, in their want, they come to Jesus and speak to him, form of prayer. And here Luke is demonstrating that once again, Jesus is once again demonstrating that Jesus is a prophet of God. And this time... Jesus is cloaked in, in, in the, the robes of the prophet Isaiah. If your Bible probably has some quotation marks around the, the phrase, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not 
understand. That is a quote from Isaiah 6, which was just read for us. Seeing, they may not see. Hearing, they may not understand. Jesus here is quoting from Isaiah 6, which is where God calls Isaiah to be a prophet. And then he gives Isaiah his job description, which in short is this. Isaiah, you will preach and you will preach. You will warn my people. But know this. They won't have ears to hear. They will refuse to receive that which you sow in their midst. They will reject you as they reject me. That's his job description. And what was the fruit in Isaiah's day of the ministry for over 40 years? Sowing amongst hard soils, people refusing, rejecting. As Isaiah sowed God's word into the ears of God's people, they refused to hear. Remember what Jesus said earlier? He said, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. It was true for Isaiah, and it is true for Jesus and those who would be like Jesus. They will serve people of closed ear and hard heart, who though hearing, they will not understand. They will remain unmoved. Now, as we come to the parables of Jesus, it's always wise to begin to ask the question, well, what did the hearers of this day, what would they have understood? What would they have heard in this parable. Uh, so we're always served well to first interpret Jesus' parables in light of Israel's history. The characters and story must first fit the situation Jesus enters into and the situation which he's fulfilling. So in short, Jesus, like Isaiah, he comes preaching, or as he says here, sowing the seed. And those who refuse to hear, they stand condemned. So we saw that throughout the life of Isaiah and other prophets, and now that Jesus as a prophet comes, what have we seen? We see Simon the Pharisee invite Jesus to feast with him, but he's inhospitable. He, comes, he invites Jesus only to test him, to try him, to rebuke him and refuse him. But who is the one that is received by Jesus? But the woman who is weeping and kneeling before his feet. Clean Jewish rulers and pastors distance themselves from Jesus. They design to do him harm, but yet we've got in verse uh, chapter... Verse, three of our chapter, we've got Joanna, we've got Mary Magdalene, we've got Susanna, women who have been served by Jesus now are received in his midst and serve him. The lame are made to walk, sinners rise forgiven, Gentile children are raised from the dead, yet the spotless Jews continue to reject the one who came to save them. Isaiah wrote to a people who were soon to be conquered and, and taken from their homes or exiled. And so Jesus is speaking to a people who are, are already in exile, but it's not in a foreign land, it's in their homeland. God's word will go forth, but who will have ears to hear it? Again, verse 10, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, the reign and the rule of God. You are to know the secrets, but for others, they are in parables. And he quotes Isaiah. To those who are following Jesus, Jesus is saying, it's been given for you to, or to you to know the mysteries of God's rule and reign. And now if you're like me, you kind of wonder, well, why them and not others? Isn't that strange? Why are some given it in parables? Well, maybe I'm thinking a vertical level. It must be the gracious enabling of God or of his grace that would soften ears, that would make appealing what others find repulsive. There is, in some sense, uh, God's enabling, His grace 
to give hearing to those who would not understand. As Paul said to the Corinthians, not many of you were wise, not many of you were powerful, not many of you were of noble birth. At the heart level, who can explain why some respond and others do not, except that grace of God to enable? It seems to me that's all that remains. But on a horizontal level, what Jesus is doing is he's illustrating for us why it is that some do not respond, do not embrace the seed or the sower of that seed. Verse 11, we get back into the, the, the explanation here. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard that the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Well, what is the seed? Isn't it nice? Jesus gives us helps here. The seed is the word of God. God has been sowing his word in his law revealed to his people. His word is going forth as creation sings of his glory. It's also written on the tablets of the human heart, and now Jesus seems to be taking on this role of sower himself. At the end of some of his teaching, he, he invites hearers to build their lives upon him and upon his word as a foundation built upon rock rather than on sandy soil. God the Father has been sowing seed to his people and throughout the world, and now Jesus comes as the sower, imitating his Father. And now he, in verse 12, he points to the ones along the path, the ones. Those are the people uh, and their reception of the seed. The ones represent this whole activity of sowing and receiving. When Jesus later commands, take care then how you hear, these soils are illustrating the different ways in which we might hear Jesus, in which we might receive his seed. Now a path is perfect for a walk, though it's not great for a crop. If you've ever traveled abroad in Europe or England, there's uh, footpaths that have been around for centuries. They go through people's property and even through their fields. And you know what grows on footpaths? Nothing for centuries. It's too hard. The seed cannot penetrate the soil. Some who hear God's word receive it as words falling on deaf ears. The image is that of the seed sown on the heart, but it is unable to penetrate. The seed is left exposed to be plucked by Satan. And how? How does Satan pluck the word from the heart? Well, Satan often works through deception. God's word, in a sense, was snatched from Adam and Eve as their hearts were given an empty promise by the serpent, and they bit on the bait. If you read C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, it's an exercise of how Satan's work is to distract, to divide attention, to diminish value of God's word. In Jesus' life, the Pharisees knew the word of God, and they condemned Jesus, even for healing on the Sabbath. They've seen, they've heard, but their hearts are not receptive. The word does not sink in. They do not embrace Jesus' word. Jesus' temptation is a model. The temptation in the wilderness is a model of how Satan attempts to snatch God's word from God's people. That's soil one, verse 13 and following. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. 
They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for those, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Second and third soils, there's no root and there's no embrace. The next or second person in, or soil which is sown is barren because God's word has not taken root. The heart remains aligned to other ways, other teachings, other words. Sandy soil is no foundation for a garden to grow. As with great joy in finding the latest help, the word is received, but perseverance in it fails. There is no fruit borne out as a rootless stem withers. The third soil is there's no embrace of this seed. There's no taking in. The next person of this or sown soil is, is perhaps more promising. It's a good start is made. The rich young ruler, when Jesus interacts with him, is an example of a man who loves the law, who wants to seek his Lord. And, and, and Jesus' word intently, he even goes to Jesus. But, but yet what happens when Jesus commands him a certain way, the, the cares of his wealth and, and begin to choke out the passion to follow the sower? In fact, they, are, they have these, these two kinds of soil. They receive it. They hear it. But there's no perseverance in it. As if they swipe right for a pleasurable rendezvous, only to make it quick and over, to swipe right again on other lovers less wild. Is anyone hearing these words unfamiliar with the realities of these soils? I mean, fad diets come and go. If you go to the gym on any regular basis... Three weeks ago, there wasn't a treadmill open, and now they abound. We go on to the next good thing. I mean, whose attention today isn't divided when the tyranny of the urgent cries so loudly? Who doesn't know discontentment? Who hasn't tried this or that and given it up? He who has ears to hear invites the hearer of this seed, this word, to consider the manner in which they receive Jesus and his word, verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The imagery here is of maturity, of, of persevering, of, of gripping firmly the seed which is sown as a, a moist, receptive soil embraces the seed which dies and bears fruit through the soil. The three named women at the beginning of this chapter, they're seen later at, at the foot of the cross. They're seen later, the first ones at the tomb. They persevered in hearing and receiving the seed, the word of Jesus. Even Peter, who only two chapters before caught two boatloads of, of fish that, that were too many to even hold in the boat, He's got many faults and failures as he follows Jesus, but we see him persevering, becoming fisher of men. It says this kind of soil where will bear fruit with patience. And though the fruit is left undefined by Jesus here, it's just the imagery of, of something healthy that grows in response to the seed that was planted. The fruit must have something to do with growing in the image of the sower. Right? That's the whole point of this. Be careful how you... Here. There's maturity, there's growth, there's perseverance. 
in embracing the word or the seed that is sown. The emphasis lies in consistency, a wholehearted embrace of an entire life aligned to the seed, which is Jesus' word. He who has ears, let him hear, hold fast, embrace, and respond to Jesus and his word. In our parable, though it ends up here, we ask, what's the main point of all this? What is Jesus getting to? Verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known. And come to light. Take care that how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he, will ha- that he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. He's just been talking about sowing and, and hearing the word of God. And now the image changes briefly to sight, doesn't it? Those who have seen the light, those who have seen the truth would be wrong to hide it. You don't hide it under your bed, he says. The resulting darkness would rob you of your own vision and sight. And it would also rob others who could then live by that light, which is now diminished or hidden. And he goes on to reason, besides all will be made known, the mystery of God's word and his way will be made known and revealed fully one day and understood. The secrets of our heart will also be laid bare. All must come to the true light as every knee will one day bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Nothing hidden will not be in the light. And Jesus' final exhortation, take care then how you hear. Four illustrations of hearing are given by Jesus. And the hearer, whoever has ears to hear, reflects, personalizes, internalizes these images. And we all go from soil to soil in some ways. But I think we're left asking, you know, Well, am I bearing fruit? Am I representing the soil that receives and embraces the seed in order to bear fruit? I think it's important to ask that question here because we tend to worry about a lot of things that we have no control over. We spend a lot of energy thinking about what people on the television, the talking heads of our news stations are telling us. We're concerned about our favorite sports teams and millions of anxieties of which we have no control But we can begin asking, am I investing in others who have that receptive soil? Am I surrounding myself with those who are bearing fruit? Am I encouraging others to bear fruit as well? If not, if I have ears to hear but I am not hearing, in what ways am I not hearing? We begin to take stock a little bit. Am I slow to forgive others when wronged? Or... Am I slow to rise in forgiveness which is promised me in Jesus Christ? Perhaps a root of bitterness begins to take root in our soil and choke out the word of God. Am I growing in love for the bride of Christ? For the love of hearing his word, of receiving his seed which is sown. A love for God's people. Am I seeking faithfulness, fidelity, obedience in the small things? 
Right? We think in terms of big asks, but, but what about loving of our neighbors? Uh, what about uh, patience with husband or wife, giving time and energy to those we know in need? In what way am I not hearing or am I not receiving? Am I not responding in obedience to God's word? If I am seeing fruit, how is it to mature and grow? What is it to, to grow the seed and the soil? What is it to water, to nurture the soil of the heart? What spiritual disciplines have nourished me or are currently nourishing me? Is there other tools in the spiritual life which I ought to take up and try out to strengthen what is there? And there's also, I think, an exhortation to take on the, 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 the life of the sower himself. Am I sowing his seed, his word in my home? Am I intentional with friends and folks I run into? We've seen the lights. We have heard the word. We have received the seed. And if it be bearing fruit, then we will sow seed as well. The sower continues to sow the word of God generously, consistently, and he has given himself that we might hear, receive, embrace, and live. Jesus is God's prophet, and he speaks. Jesus is God's sower of God's gracious word, and he not only plants, he not only nourishes, he not only causes to grow, but he will indeed come one day to harvest in full. And on that day, our only plea will be the sacrifice of our Savior and our Sower, who is Jesus Christ. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word, living and active. And now as we have heard and received your word, would you bear fruit in our lives and through our lives that we might bring honor and glory to your name and those around us might feast on the fruit of your goodness and give you glory. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.